Welcome to Life Bridge Online. Whenever it is that you're watching this or listening to this, we are grateful that you are tuning in and allowing us to minister to you and your family. We pray for you, for those of you who are, are our Life Bridge family members who, because of COVID, uh, have yet to come back to church. We want you to know that we miss you and we long for the day, still, still long for the day when we are going to be able to celebrate God under one roof together. Uh, for the rest of you who are who are chiming in, I want you to know that uh, we are taking some steps in the coming weeks to to launch a Facebook Facebook community group where we can start connecting with those of you who are participating in listening to our online services. We're grateful for that. Um, we just feel the need to come along and try to engage better so that we can just do what we're called to do. And that is to minister to those um, that God has entrusted to us. And that certainly is not limited to uh, the ones who show up and worship in person on Sunday mornings. Uh, we we want to we be able to minister to, to anybody who has needs. And so stay tuned for that. That will be coming in the weeks to come. Uh, for those of you who are connected somewhat to the LifeBridge uh, community already uh, here in Decatur. Uh, just a little update on the Restore His House. I, I presented that to you guys a couple of weeks ago, and progress is being made on the exterior of our building. Um, all the all the rotten wood, all the damaged exterior has been uh, repaired. Uh, new vinyl, new aluminum, uh, all the fascia, soffits, all of those have been completed. New gutters are up. And the building looks as, as good as it uh, ever has. And so we're grateful for that. Uh, we are, as a church, pressing on. Uh, we are praying that we will be able to uh, get back to serving our community. And that's the purpose of, of this capital campaign that we are in. We want to better serve our community. And we have some ideas uh, that we're going to be rolling out uh, that will serve just the, the, the Decatur area. And for those of you who are uh, in other states and you're other, other places, you're listening to this, you can be part of this by joining us in, in praying. Uh, we still have uh, roughly $8,000 that we're trying to uh, raise. God has provided uh, in, in the middle of the pandemic and in the middle of a lot of uncertainty. God has provided. Uh, he's been amazing. And we just want to keep praying. And so that's how you can partner with us. You can just pray that God will continue to provide. So with that, let's pray. And then we're going to get into our core 52 topic uh, today. Father, we love you and we thank you for this opportunity to gather. Lord, we are in different places. Uh, some of us are doing different things as we listen to this. Uh, Lord, your word is powerful. And I pray that as we talk about this comparison of these two biblical figures today, that as we, we talk about what you did and how you used them, that we will commit our very lives to doing that very thing. And so speak to us today. Meet us where we are. We love you and we pray these things in your name. Amen. Well, if you don't know my story, um, and many of you do, I grew up in the church. My family moved from the suburbs of Atlanta uh, to Northeast Georgia. And uh, so shortly after moving there, we started attending church. And this was second grade. 
And ever since going to church that first time, uh, church attendance, church involvement has been a mainstay in my life ever since. And along the way, many wonderful people have, have ministered to me, they have influenced me, they have taught me in the classroom and out of the classroom. One of those guys was a, was a Sunday school teacher that I had in middle school uh, and in high school. And, and it, man, it was a man that when I look back at his sphere of influence, he actually taught me more and influenced me more outside of the classroom. His name is Grady Hunt. And Grady Hunt is a, was a wise man that loved to teach young people biblical truths. And he was devoted to sharing the gift of God, uh, that, or sharing the gift that God gave him. He was devoted to using his ability to teach. And he was always prepared. He was, uh, loved the word of God, and he influenced us in the classroom uh, with just all types of, of, of wisdom and nuggets. And I'll be honest with you, uh, I, there's a lot of things that I probably know of today uh, the foundation in which my knowledge is built on, I have to take it back to Grady Hunt. And the truth is, I can't remember any one specific lesson. I, I can remember some, some nuggets. I can, I can remember some points where he taught us some different things. And one of those nuggets, one of those little just details that, that he shot, uh, that he taught us, came in a... Uh, in a class, it was just a, a, a kind of a biblical structure class. This is how the Bible is assembled, you know, giving us all the details about the number of authors and the time period in which it was written. And, and he said this, and this kind of helped summarize. It's one of those things that in the classroom, this stuck with me. Here's the saying. The New Testament explains what the Old Testament contains. Now, I get it. This wisdom isn't, it's not earth shattering. It, it's not life changing. But it helps when we are trying to connect the dots and we're trying to understand some of the events that we read about in the Old Testament. And that's certainly true today as we talk about our study this week from the book by Mark Moore, Core 52. And it's this comparison of Moses and Jesus. And when you think about biblical history and you think about the Bible, these two figures are some of the most important in the history of not just the Bible that we read, but they are some of the most important people in the human race. But especially if you are a Christian, especially if you are a follower. Now, we talk about Moses, we talk about Jesus. Uh, there, there is a connection and in and, and, and one of those things, um, I, I've studied the Old Testament. Uh, I've had classes on the Old Testament. I've read through uh, most of the Old Testament a couple of times in my life. And until just a few weeks ago, I, I've missed that the story of Moses actually began 430 years before Moses came on the scene. How about that? So we talk about the story of Moses, we, we've got to back up 430 years. And if you've been following along every week, you know we talked about this a couple of weeks ago in, in, our, in our covenant uh, sermon, and, and it's the conversation from Genesis 12. God is promising Abraham that his family line would end up as slaves 
in Egypt and that they would be there for four centuries. All right, now that's the detail that I've missed. I, I never remember uh, God saying that to Abraham until just a few weeks ago. So within the promise to Abraham, his family line will be oppressed, but then when the time is right, they are going to leave, and they're going to leave as a wealthy nation. And as the story unfolds, God frees his people, and he uses this outcast of a man, a man on the run, a man in hiding, Moses. The whole story of Abraham's family becoming the nation of Israel, being oppressed, and then being redeemed is all a foreshadowing of what is to come with the true Redeemer, Jesus. And so I've never really considered um, how close the stories of Moses as part of the Exodus and Jesus really are. But there's a lot of similarities. I want to, I want to just share some of those with you this morning as you, as you take what you know about Moses and you take what you know about Jesus. Just listen to some of the similarities between their stories. Uh, both Jesus and Moses came on the scene after 400 years of silence from God. Moses, uh, God allowed uh, the Israelites to be enslaved to, to Egypt, uh, and they just kind of let them be there. And then, of course, with Jesus, they, there, there was this 400-year period of silence. And so both men came on the scene after 400 years. Uh, both Jesus and Moses were born while the Israelites were being oppressed. Of course, we're familiar already with the Hebrews. They were enslaved to the Egyptians, as stated. But the Israelites were under control of the Roman Empire. Uh, as babies, Jesus and Moses were hidden for safety's sake. If you think back to the, the stories and, and how that works out. Uh, Moses was a slave adopted into the royal family. Jesus was royalty and chose to become a slave. Jesus and Moses began their ministries with a supernatural moment in the wilderness. Moses, think back, encountered God with a flaming bush that, that talked. And, and he was on this holy ground and they, you know he encountered God in the wilderness through a bush that was burning. Jesus saw the heavens open as he came up out of the waters of baptism and the voice was heard, this is my son and with him I am very much pleased. Moses spent 40 days and nights on Mount Sinai before he received the Ten Commandments from God. Jesus spent 40 days and nights fasting and praying to begin his ministry where he would teach and he would expound upon those very commandments. Both biblical figures became shepherds in their life. Moses, when he was fleeing the wrath of Pharaoh, Jesus, 
makes it clear that he is a shepherd to all people who listen to his voice. Uh, both men talked to God and they heard audibly from God. Both men were rejected by the very people they were leading. And, and there's others. We, we could add to this list if we, if we wanted to, but there's one more that I kind of want to focus on for the rest of the day. And I think it's the most important similarity between Moses and Jesus. And that is their role in the deliverance of God's people. God raised Moses up to deliver his people, the Israelites, from Egyptian bondage. God sent Jesus to earth, not only to teach us his ways, but also to deliver all mankind from the bondage of sin and eternal death. And here's the cool thing. Here's the, here's the unique way God used these men in the deliverance story. So he's using both of them to deliver his people or people. Both Moses and Jesus were leaders and the people being rescued were required to follow that's right. That, that's that's a, an important detail when you think about God and you think about God's economy. He raised up Moses. He sent Jesus. He's going to use these men and their time periods. He's going to use them to lead his people. And the requirement for the people being redeemed is that they follow. Check out Exodus 3 verses 8 through 12. So I have come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and lead them out of Egypt into their own fertile and spacious land. It's a land flowing with milk and honey. The land where the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites now live. Look, the cry of the people of Israel has reached me, and I've seen how harshly the Egyptians abused them. Now go, for I am sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people Israel out of Egypt. But Moses protested to God, Who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Who am I to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt? God answered, I will be with you. And this is your sign that I am the one who has sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this very mountain. God's plan for redemption is for this man, Moses, to walk into Egypt. He's going to challenge the great oppressor, Pharaoh, and he's going to walk out with the Israelite nation following behind him. And Moses will lead them on foot to the promised land. The Israelites' journey of freedom from bondage happened as they followed the man God sent to save them. And 2,600 years later, God sent another man to deliver his people from bondage. And like Moses, Jesus came on the scene to be the Redeemer of a people in bondage. But this time, it's all people that God is rescuing. And this time, it's the bondage 
of sin that he is saving us from. It's the bondage of our past. It's the bondage of our hurts, of our fears, of our doubts. This is what Jesus has come to earth to do. And just like Moses before, Jesus is going to lead his people. Only this time, and start in, instead of, of uh, opening it up to everybody, Jesus is going to start with a small band of men. It's a band of men that you and I wouldn't have chosen. And the journey of following Jesus is all about life change. It's all about being transformed. If you look at Matthew 4:19, this is where Jesus has come out of his 40 days of fasting and praying and being tempted in the wilderness and he's beginning his ministry. He's done some teaching along the seashore uh, of, of Galilee. And, and he finally gets to this point where he's ready to begin his ministry officially and he's going to invite people to come be part of it. And he says to these fishermen, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. So there's the invitation to follow. That's what he says to these guys. Hey, will you follow me? And as you follow me, I'm going to make you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to transform your life. And within these four words, I will make you. Jesus takes those who follow him and he transforms their life into something different, something better. He shows them a new way to live. And the transformation that Jesus offers will lead to a freedom we can't imagine. We've never experienced it before. And it only happens when we choose to accept the invitation and we accept to follow Jesus for the purpose of being transformed. And when we go through this transformation process, as Jesus is working in us, we get to experience freedom, worry, stress, weariness, addiction, are all things that we no longer have to be in bondage to. The transformation that leads to this freedom only happens, though, when we leave everything behind to follow Jesus. Peter, Andrew, James, and John, when, when they heard that invitation, hey, they, they couldn't follow Jesus and bring their boats. They couldn't bring their nets. They, they, they couldn't bring the, the baggage of life with them. They couldn't bring even their family with them. They left those things so they could follow Jesus. And the Israelites, even though they were instructed to bring some necessities for their journey, they couldn't bring everything. They, they, they were told to pack light. They were told to bring just the things uh, that, that they would need for the journey. Now, when you set out, on the course of following, you have to trust and have faith in the one that you are following. I remember the first time that uh, I had access to one of these GPS units. And a friend of mine, Jeff, who I talk about often, we were setting for, out on a journey. 
from here to Colorado. We were driving to Colorado, Crested Butte, to, to go ski. And this was the second time that I've been to uh, Colorado from the south, um, but it's the first time that we've ever had one of these GPS units. And it wasn't a phone. It was one of those square boxes that you stuck up on the windshield and you followed it. And, and, and I just, I remember, man, how, how crazy is this? And so uh, we're sitting there following this device that's led off of GPSs, you know, way up in the, in the sky and, and, and man, I, I, I struggled to trust it. And, and so when I wasn't driving, I'd pull out the, the atlas, you know, you know, the big atlas, and I would turn, and I would find out where we were, and I would make sure are we still on the best route, or things still going well. But as, as the journey continued, and as the GPS continued to prove that it was accurate, as the GPS continued to keep us on the right track, I began to trust in it a little bit more and a little bit more. And when you set out on the course of following, you have to trust and you have to have faith in the one you are following or you will back into living the life we lived before we started following. If we don't have complete trust, if we don't have faith in the thing that we are following, we are going to crave and desire to go back to the way we were living. And just like that GPS in the window, I didn't trust it. So what did I do? I opened up the map and I double checked just to make sure we were on the right route. The Israelites followed Moses. And when they were on the doorstep of the promised land, they began to doubt. They were overcome with fear because there was one more obstacle. And they started crying out. I mean, they've been journeying for some time now. God has provided all along the way. Here they are on the doorstep of the promised land. There's one more thing they have to do and they started crying out, why did you bring us here to die? We would be better off to still be enslaved to the Egyptians. We wanna go back. The, the, these people, because they did not trust wholeheartedly in God and, and Moses leading them, they did not trust in them. They began to doubt. They began to let fear creep in and they wanted to go back to the life of bondage. And that generation that doubted, those who did not trust God in the journey, never got to experience the freedom that comes with faithfully following. In church, this morning, we have an opportunity to be delivered from the bondage that we are in. We have to faithfully follow. We have to allow Jesus to transform our lives. I will make you. And when we do this, when we completely die to self, when we become transparent with ourselves and vulnerable with others, 
as we surrender our lives to the Lord, as we set forth on this journey of following, we become like him, we will experience freedom. Now, this is the point of the sermon where I give you three steps to faithfully follow Jesus. <laughs> but not so fast. Not today. I'm not going to give you a how-to today. There's one thing I want you to think about as we finish up. I want to point out to you one important detail about both stories that we've talked about today. In both stories, the following of the leader was done in community. It wasn't done alone. It was not a journey that you did in isolation. The Israelites followed Moses in family units, making up a nation. Jesus, Jesus didn't call a single person to follow him, but a group of men. He called 12. And here's the thing that I want you to think about as you process out what this following Jesus looks like. We need people who are on the same journey that we are on. We don't need fickle Israelites who are going to doubt and who are going to fear. I know that that's part of the journey, and I know that that's part of, of the process, and, and that's part of the growing of faith in our lives. I understand that. But we don't need fickle people who are going to want to go back to that old way of living. The invitation to follow, to be transformed, is always available. It, it, it's not something that comes by every now and again. It's not something that happens just from an invitation in a church setting. The invitation to follow Jesus happens right now when you say to him, I want to follow you, Lord. I want to surrender my life. But here's the key to success. <clears throat> you need to have people to journey with you. You need to have people who will speak truth into your life. And that's the very thing that Jesus did as he brought these 12 together and they journeyed every day of their life for the next three years. They, they spent time together and Jesus spoke truth into their life. He raised these men up from, from mere infants, from mere babes and in, in, in faith to warriors who would go out and start a movement and they would duplicate the process. So my challenge to you is to begin the journey today, but decide this day who you will take on this journey. And as you travel together, watch and see what God does. We love you, praying for you, and I can't wait to be back next week.